Hey everyone, welcome back to the All Things Gymnastics podcast. I'm Ashley. And I'm Brittany. And this is the podcast where we talk about all things gymnastics. And this week, we discuss the results of the Nasty Lucan Cup and the Winter Cup, as well as some of the highlights from week nine of the college gymnastics season, including at Michigan State's record-breaking meet, Oklahoma versus Florida, and Oklahoma versus Michigan, which we were there for. So if you want to hear our thoughts, stick around, and we hope you enjoy this week's episode. So it's been a couple of weeks since Brittany and I have actually sat down and just talked about gymnastics. So that's what this week's episode is going to be. We're going to catch up on some of the bigger competitions that have happened in the last couple of weeks. Starting back almost two weeks ago with the Nastia Lucan Cup. This is a competition that I think aside from last year, just because of the time it worked out, but normally we don't get to watch this competition live just because it falls in the middle of like everything. Literally, it's always on a Friday night in the middle of Friday Night Heights. All of the big competitions always seem to be happening that weekend. Yeah, so we didn't really get to watch this competition live, but we did go back and watch individual routines on YouTube. Thank goodness that USA Gymnastics is reverting back to their old ways and putting routines on YouTube again. It's so much more accessible. Yeah. It's, it's easy. You can just type in someone's name and go back and watch their individual routines instead of watching the entire broadcast if you don't have time for that or if you're not interested in watching the entire broadcast. It's nice to have the option to go and easily be able to access any individual routines. Right. Without having to be behind a paywall and having to go to an app in order to watch the stuff. It's just so much easier to go to YouTube and type in, you know, Avery and F floor and then find it. <laughs> right. So we are very grateful to USA Gymnastics for that. Speaking of Avery Neff, the senior division, there was actually a tie again this year. So let's go back. Last year, there was a tie between Nikki Smith, who is now slain at Michigan State, and Jameson Sears. And they ended up breaking the tie. So if you look at the official results from that competition... Jameson Sears is technically the winner, while Nikki Smith was second. But this year, there was a tie again. How crazy for that to happen again. But they didn't break the tie. So Avery Neff and former elite gymnast Kaylin Chio tied for the title in the senior division. I'm so happy to see Kaylin back out there competing and healthy. She looked amazing. She did recently announce on Instagram her retirement from elite gymnastics. A little bit bummed about that because as a junior, she was someone who I thought had so much potential. I really loved her gymnastics, but also just excited to see her thriving on the level 10 scene. And then, of course, going off to college someday, she's committed to LSU. Yeah. And I think she's going to be great for them. And then Avery, of course, committed to Utah. That was a whole big thing when she was <laughs> doing her visits and everyone trying to figure out where she's going to go. But um, those two tied for the title and it's super exciting to see them. Two of the best level tens in the country. Yeah, and it's exciting to see them actually just award both of them the title instead of breaking it because we don't like tiebreakers in this house. So they had a 39.075, if you want to know the score. And then in third place was Madison Ulrich, who had a 38.825. And I believe she is committed to Denver, if I'm yeah. not mistaken. Jamie Sears, like I mentioned, won the title last year. She was ninth this year. Had a really good meet. Aside from beam, she had a pretty big wobble in her routine and then her dismount. She kept it on her feet, almost sat it down. She did a double tuck and then took several steps backward to to keep it on her feet but um, so not her best no and I think that really is what kept her out of the conversation as far as winning the title or ending up on the podium but lots of potential for that gymnast in the future she's going to Alabama and and that's she's next season right yes she's going to do big things for Bama so that's exciting and then in the junior division, we had Addie Fulcher came away with the title with a 37.9. And actually, she was the only gymnast that was competing in both the Nastia Cup and the Winter Cup. Super impressive. Yeah, she got 12th at the Winter Cup in the junior division. Last time we saw that was actually Lexi Zeiss, who won the senior division a couple years prior, competed in both the Nastia Cup and the Winter Cup. But it's nice to see a junior athlete doing it, because honestly, these junior athletes at both the Winter Cup and the Nastia Cup are some of the stars of the future. So, And for someone like Addie, if she wants to continue doing elite gymnastics, this is the perfect way to get experience for what it's going to be like competing at the U.S. Championships, because obviously that's a two-day event, and yeah. you compete back-to-back -back like that. So she kind of got a taste of that with the Nastia Lucan Cup on Friday, and then she actually had a day in between because she was a junior, so she competed in the Winter Cup on Sunday, 
Um, but just to get that feel of competing twice in one weekend, I think will be beneficial for her in the future. So yeah, we had Addie Fulcher come away with the title, and then we actually had a tie for second place in the junior division. So many ties. <laughs> this is a fun name. Olivia Vandevander <laughs> and Amani White tied for second with a 37.875. Moving on to the Winter Cup, we'll start with the juniors. We had Hesley Rivera came away with the title. She had a 53.35 in the all-around, which actually would have had her winning the senior division. Which is not surprising to me. She is so, so good. Super clean, powerful, precise. I mean, pretty much every adjective that you could use to describe somebody, I feel like it fits her. Yeah. She's everything. And she's great on all the events. She really doesn't have a weak spot, I feel like. No. I mean, I think you would look at her gymnastics because she's so good at, like, bars and beam. I feel like those are her better events. She did get a 13.8 on beam, which is a really good score. And her dismount was not perfect by any means. So, like, imagine if she actually hit a routine to her full potential. Oh, it would be huge. Yeah. And she has a really high execution score as well. I forget exactly off the top of my head what it was here. But she, I think you would look at her and think that she's a bars or beam type of gymnast like you would think that that was her specialty quote unquote but she's also really powerful on floor her double layout super beautiful super high she's actually working a full twisting double layout which i believe she did at the woga classic just a couple weeks prior so lots of potential there for upgrades and it's been a while i think since we've had a junior post a score that would be good enough to win the senior division. That reminds me of Sean Johnson back in the day, like back in 2006, Sean won the all around title in the junior division at the U S championships, but technically it was enough to beat Nastia who was competing in the senior division. Yeah. So it kind of reminded me of that a little bit, but definitely a bright future for this one. I'm really excited to see, you know, what she's going to do in the future. There's a lot of great juniors here. And that was something that we were really impressed with watching this competition. Just so much talent coming up through the junior ranks and yeah and i'm not sure if it's because junior worlds is right around the corner that maybe they're in better competition shape than some of the senior athletes are because i really did feel like the junior division was more refined um, they seemed more confident even more consistent like they just had overall more solid performances on that side of the competition whereas i feel like in the senior competition we saw a lot of mistakes wobbles not quite as clean execution. I was just going to say, yeah, the execution, I think, is a big difference from the juniors to the seniors. But I would guess that that probably has to do with Junior Worlds being right around the corner and all of those athletes fighting for those spots. Because the top two from Winter Cup were automatically named to the Junior Worlds team. Mm-hmm. So that was, like you just said, Hesley Rivera and then Jayla Hang got second. And we love Jayla. Yeah, so she got a 52.3 in the all-around, did have a fall on beam in the very last rotation, so but she was so solid up until that point. And I think, so she was almost exactly a full point behind Hesley. So if she hadn't have fallen on beam, I think she would have been right up there. Yeah. So don't count this one out. I can definitely see her being in the mix for the junior all-around national title this year. Um, I want to give her a shout out. Her floor team was really good and she absolutely drilled the full twist and double back in her very first pass. Stuck it cold. It was so good. And then of course the Uchenko double twist. Beautiful as always. One of the best ones being done and to see that from a junior athlete is so exciting. So those two will be going to Junior Worlds which is being held March 29th through April 2nd and that is in Turkey? Yes. Yeah. Yep. And then, actually today, the day that we're recording this, which is Tuesday, the third member of that team is going to be named, but as of the time that we're recording this, it has not been named yet. So it's very, very likely that, depending on what day of the week you're listening to this, that athlete may already be named. And there's a lot of discussion on who it could be. There's Kieran Fennell, who got third here at the Winter Cup. Yeah, 52-2-5-0 was her all-around score. Um, Gabrielle Hardy is someone, she's from Twin City Twisters. Has a lot of potential. Zoe Malomo, we've seen her at international competitions before. Claire Pease from Woga, I think, is making great strides. Very clean athlete, as we would come to expect from Woga. Yeah, Audrey Snyder was a junior that really broke out on the scene last year. Izzy Stasi and uh, Simone Rose, who's Jayla Haynes' teammate, I think normally would have been in this conversation, but she posted on Instagram that she has a broken foot, so she must have did that right after Winter Cup. And that's so unfortunate. She was invited to the selection camp for Junior Worlds, but of course is pulling out because of that injury, so... 
we're wishing her a speedy recovery and I don't know the timetable for a broken foot and how long it takes to come back from that but she's such a talented junior and I'm hoping that we'll get to see her later at some point this year maybe hopefully at the national championships if possible but definitely another name that you're going to want to keep your eyes on for the future. Do you have a prediction for who you think is going to be that third spot? My gut is saying Zoe Maloma. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. But I could also see Audrey Snyder getting it. Well, then there's Kieran Fennell who got right. third here at the Winter Cup. Right. And she's a beautiful gymnast. So again, those juniors are killing it. It makes me really excited for the future. I think this is a good group of kids coming up. Is Hesley eligible for Paris Olympics? Do you know? Yeah, she is. Okay. I think Simone Rowe. Sorry, I put you on the spot. <laughs> Ashley's gonna check. She's pulling it up right now so we can verify. Because these are the things that matter, right? When we're watching juniors, we're thinking about the next Olympics and if they're gonna be eligible for it and how they can contribute to Team USA. So these are valid questions that we need answers to. She was born in 2008. What month? So she's 14 now. Uh, June. She'll be turning 15 this year. She'll be turning 16. Okay, so she would be that. Yes. And then Jayla Hang also is eligible? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Jayla Hain is December. Okay, cool. So they're they're all eligible for the Paris Olympics, which is very exciting. You know what? I remember looking into this last year for championships. <laughs> I know. I feel like we we always look into this every Gabrielle year. Hardy. And every year I forget. Gabrielle Hardy is not. I don't know about some of these like new juniors, like the ones that just qualified elite this year. I'd have to look into them. But as far as everyone that competed at the U.S. Championships in the junior division last year. I believe Gabby Hardy was the only one that's not eligible for Paris. All the other juniors that competed were eligible. Okay, good to know. Thank, so that's, thank you for your work, Ashley. Yeah, so that's <laughs> most of the gymnasts that are eligible for Junior Worlds this year. Hell yeah. So I guess senior division? Yeah, we can move on to the senior division. So it was a weaker field. Yes. Uh, Sky Blakely was the only one from the world's team, this this past world's team. Well, I guess Lexi Zeiss was technically on the team as well. She was an alternate. Yes, true. But it's... as far as who actually competed on, you know, the actual team, Sky Blakely was the only one that was there. And she did bars and beam only. So I think nursing a little bit of an injury right now, not going full strength. Yeah, I believe they said on the broadcast that she was having some Achilles issues, mm -hmm. which is a little bit scary. Achilles always freak me out because we see so many Achilles injuries in gymnastics, especially on the college side. So hoping that that's something that she's able to work through and, of course, stay healthy. But mm -hmm. it wasn't her best at Winter Cup. No, I mean, she put up okay scores. She had a 13-1-5 on bars. She messed up a cast and had to repeat the skill kind of going into her dismount or right before her dismount on bars. And then on beam, she got a 13-4, which is actually a pretty good score. But I think it's just because her difficulty is so high. Yeah. She had wobbles, pretty big wobbles on almost every skill that she did, which is kind of typical for Sky. I feel like she hardly ever actually nails her routine. She usually always has some pretty significant wobbles, but does tend to score well regardless. So yeah. I guess shout out to her. But yeah, 13-4 on beam and 13-1-5 on bars. So definitely not like a disastrous competition by any means, but also not her best. But it's so early in the season. I was just going to say It doesn't that. really matter. Like you can't expect somebody to be competing at the same level that they were several months prior at the World Championships. They are just kind of starting to gear up for their elite competition season now. So, and Sky was also competing a few weeks back at the Boca Classic as well. So she's finding her groove and not worried about it right now. I still think that she's one of the best athletes that Team USA has currently. So definitely hoping they can keep her healthy, most importantly, and can't wait to see her back later this year. So our girl Lexi Zeiss took the all-around title at Winter Cup. This is her first all-around title of her elite career, and she has just made tremendous improvements and strides over the last couple of years, going from being kind of an unknown elite gymnast to yeah. being right in the mix and, you know, kind of on the brink of being a star for USA Gymnastics. She's right in the conversation and I think is only going to continue to get better and better. Yeah, she showed some upgraded routines here, a double layout on floor is new. Um, still working on execution a bit. I think that's one area that's going to kind of hold her back in comparison to some of the other elites that we're seeing right now. 
especially in the U.S. Like Jordan Childs has really clean execution. Shailisha Jones, Connor McClain's Connor McClain, Jade Carey. I would say is not the cleanest execution, but she does tend to be better than Lexi Zeiss. So there's particularly you, on twisting elements. Yeah. So there's. You know, when you compare it like that, I think Lexi still has a little bit of work to do if she wants to continue to stay one of those top names in the U.S. But, but one foot in front of the other, and I think she's doing great things. Absolutely. From Pan Am's last year, where she was like a surprise all-around silver medalist yeah. at that event, to, you know, making the world's team as an alternate, and then now here she is, her first competition of 2023, and she wins the Winter Cup. It's like her confidence is growing, and I really feel like she's on a roll. Yeah. So I can't wait to see what she does the rest of the season, and I think that she's just going to continue to get better and better. Her all-around score, by the way, was a 53.2, so definitely room for improvement, but a good starting point for this season, I would say. Absolutely. And then we had Ashley Sullivan in second. That's super impressive. She was in fourth last year, actually, at the Winter Cup. Caught a lot of people's eyes and then unfortunately suffered an injury. I don't remember off the top of my head what it was, but she was out for the season and now she's back and she moved her way up to second on the podium and what a way to come back. Yep. She put up a 52.75 and then Noah Matthews was not too far behind her with a 52.6. So this competition was kind of up for the taking for anyone. I mean, there was so many gymnasts like Dulcie Kaler. This was her first competition as a senior. Jocelyn Robertson is someone who's always kind of been in the conversation. Yeah, actually, and she did pretty good. She got first on ball, second on beam, and floor. Actually made her first ever international assignment, which is crazy to think that she's been around as long as she has. And she's been a name that we've all talked about, but she's never actually made it onto an international team. Yeah, she was an alternate for Junior Pan Ams, I think it was, one of the years. But this is the first time she's ever actually been on the team not being an alternate, so... And that's the DBT... Yeah, I can go through the international assignments right now. There was a couple assignments given out. So we had the DTB Pokal. I don't know if I'm saying it's Pokal or Pokal. I, I don't know, sorry. But the DTB Team Challenge is Nola Matthews, Zoe Miller, Jocelyn Robertson, Ashley Sullivan, and then Lexi Zeiss. And then for the DTB Mixed Cup, they're sending Addison Feta, Nola Matthews, and Al Mueller. So wait, Noel Matthews is in both? Did I hear that correctly? Correct. Okay. Yes. Yep. Exciting. So, so excited for Jocelyn. You guys know we've been such big Jocelyn fans. So we're excited for everybody, of course, but particularly Jocelyn. I'm like, yay, because she finally is going to an international assignment. Right. So well-deserved. And then Kalia Lincoln. I also want to give a shout out to her. Her floor, she actually won this event at Winter Cup. It was by far the best floor routine in that entire competition. Yeah. Difficulty-wise, execution-wise. Solid landings, like really solid. She has a lot of power, but she controlled it very well. Yes. Very, very good with controlling her landings. So and her routine with a full N. So impressive. Not many people, I mean, you see people opening with that pass, but not many people, unless you're like Simone Biles or Jade Carey, are ending with that pass. Yeah. And then doing it as well as she's doing it. Yes. She had a 13.6, like you said, won the event. So, and she's somebody who was really, really good as a junior and has dealt with some injuries. So yeah, she was injured last season as well. So we didn't really get to see her, but nice to see her back. She's an LSU commit. Yeah, LSU had a really, really good showing over the Nastia Cup Winter Cup weekend. Yeah, with Kaylin Chio, they have, I mean, obviously Connor McLean wasn't competing. She was there, but not competing, but still a big name for them. Lexi Zeiss is LSU, Zoe Miller, Kalia Lincoln. Um, there's probably more than that. Oh, Amari Drayton. She didn't win anything, but she was there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> your, face, just... your face, you looked at me like, wait, what? No, I'm thinking of the Nastia Cup. I'm sure there's more, but... The point is, LSU was very well represented yes. this weekend. Yes. Great job from the LSU commits. And shout out to Kalia Lincoln for coming back and just showing everyone that she's still here. I think she, like we said, has been injured and kind of fell off the radar a little bit. But, but she's back. She's back on the radar for sure with her performance at Winter Cup. So, yeah, the senior competition wasn't as exciting as I wanted it to be, if I'm being completely honest with you. There were some good names there. Tiana Samanasekera is another one that only did two events here and I think definitely has potential to be a big all-around star for USA Gymnastics. Her bars, oh, absolutely. her bars have improved a lot and that was always her weakest event. So she's someone that I think come US Championships time, I can see her being a little bit more in the conversation as an all-arounder. But this competition was wide open, like I said. Anyone could take the title and kind of just... 
fun, I guess, to see who was going to end up on the podium with it being so wide open. But I definitely want to get some of these junior girls in the senior mix because we were pretty jazzed about the juniors. I had so much fun watching the juniors. And like, I almost, I should not be admitting this, but there was a part of me that just with all the gymnastics that was going on that weekend, I was thinking that if I'm going to skip out on anything, I was going to do juniors Mm -hmm. at Winter Cup. And I'm so glad that I didn't because they were so, so good. And I think that was the best part of the whole weekend, honestly. So let us know what you guys think. And that's not to discredit the seniors in any way. Like, obviously, they're amazing and we love all of them as well. But I felt that last year a little bit too. Just the juniors have just so much like promise and hope for the future. And I think that's what I love about it. It reminds me of when we were younger and falling in love with the sport. And the junior division was always so hot. And the senior division's always hot too. But like, there's always been such an intense competition in the junior division as well. And so many people that you're watching go through the junior ranks and then, you know, anticipating them becoming a senior. And I feel like the last couple of years, there just hasn't been that that spark or it's that excitement. missing something. Yeah. Yeah. And now I'm feeling like it's kind of coming back a little bit. So it's because of Jayla Hang, in my opinion, <laughs> and Simone Rose, and also Hesley Rivera, and Audrey Davis. See, there's just so, so much talent. So if you guys aren't paying attention to the juniors, you should be. Go look them up on YouTube. All right, so let's get into college. Florida versus Oklahoma. Yeah. So this was one of the biggest meets of the entire season, I would say. Oklahoma being number one, and at that time, Florida being number two. Expected to be a really, really big matchup. Yeah, and I think... At the start of the season, they were the two teams that a lot of people were talking about just because Oklahoma, obviously, is the defending national champions. And then Florida has this, like, super stacked roster that alone, when you just look at the names, looks worthy of an NCAA title. You're like, how are we going to beat this team? Yeah. So they look that good. And they are that good. So I think by default, this was going to be the championship rematch. And Oklahoma... At one point, I'm one of their graphics branded it that way. Florida never branded it that way. And I also think their strategy going in wasn't prepared to be a championship rematch. Well, they said but... it on the broadcast, too. Oh, did they? I'm pretty sure. At the beginning, they said, like... Well, because what I'm saying is that by default, it is a championship rematch because it was the number one and number two teams right. from last season. So, like... Regardless of who you put up, it was going to be branded as a championship rematch because those were the top two teams from last season. So this was a meet that we were very much looking forward to. Oklahoma came out on top with a 197.95 to Florida's 197.7. So two and a half tenth difference there. And I think that it could have been closer. Yeah, see that's pretty good given the fact that Florida didn't put up their full lineup, particularly on floor. They rested Kayla DiCello, Sloan Blakely, and Trinity Thomas. Ended up only going 49-175 on floor, and that's because they counted a 9-7-2-5 from Rachel Bauman and a 9-7-5 from Leah Clapper. They also had, I think it was a 9-7 from Morgan Hurd. So mm-hmm. put in some new faces in the lineup and didn't quite get the scores that they're used to getting on that event. And it was an interesting strategy for me personally because this could have been a really exciting meet, first of all. And it still was. Like, I still enjoyed watching it, but it felt like Oklahoma was putting out their best team while Florida was just being conservative. And I understand the importance of resting athletes 100%. I just don't understand it when you're facing Texas women's next week, why you had to rest this meet. Right. That's kind of what I was thinking. Like... Oftentimes throughout season, we see a lot of top teams will rest certain athletes throughout the season, but very rarely do you see a team rest half of their lineup in one meet, regardless of who they're competing against. Like, regardless of the competition, you usually don't see a team completely rest, like, half of a lineup. Mm Let alone when it's the number one and number two teams in the country. Yeah, So that's the part of it that I didn't really fully understand, like, the strategy behind, like... And I, and I put out a tweet on Twitter and, you know, the Florida fans, of course, were upset by it. But I'm not saying that it's not important to rest athletes. I 100% think that you should rest people throughout the season. Absolutely. And you should be testing your depth, which is exactly what they did. I just don't think that this was the right meet to do it at. I think they should have put their best foot forward just like Oklahoma was doing. So it could have been a true matchup. Yeah, and I didn't know if they thought that maybe it would be a hit to the confidence because they were at Oklahoma. It's very hard to win at Oklahoma. I mean, they're the kind of team that 
very rarely, very, very, very rarely loses at home. Right. Like, it's hard to beat Oklahoma to begin with, let alone to do it in their home. Is yeah. It harder? I don't know. It just felt to me like a lack of confidence, whether that's from the coaches or I don't know. It just, it felt like this was an opportunity to gain confidence, even just to see how close you could get. And they did in the end, even with that subpar floor rotation, they did still get pretty close to Oklahoma. So I guess that is a positive from it. Yeah. Like I said, two and a half tens. Actually, it's still pretty impressive despite that Florida lineup and they were really shaky on beam as well so Florida wasn't even their athletes that are typically in the lineups they weren't at their best like period it just wasn't their best meet Oklahoma though also wasn't at their best which makes me wonder if you know Florida had their full strength could they have put more pressure on Oklahoma yeah or even came out on top for sure yeah. I mean it ended up being close in the end but imagine if Florida just had their normal floor rotation because Oklahoma is the kind of team that doesn't open the door very often for other teams, and I feel like at this meet, we did see glimpses of them kind of opening the door for Florida, but Florida wasn't able to capitalize on it because from the start, they came in with a floor lineup that was not going to be able to compete with Oklahoma's, yeah. even if Oklahoma was making mistakes. I think it's just fun to have a competitive environment. It's like that in any sport. It's not wrong right, for isn't a that fan. the purpose of sports? Right, like, like isn't this the whole point of it? Imagine... <laughs> Watching football and having the top two teams in the nation facing off and then one of the teams just decides that this is going to be the game where they don't put out their best quarterback. Yeah. Like, you just don't do that. Like, sure, you can do that, but... I don't agree with doing It's not that. very fun for the fans. I don't think it's necessarily fun for the athletes either because you pointed this out. You know, they work really hard to showcase their talents on the biggest stages and, and of course you're thinking long term and you're preparing for regionals and nationals and secs and you know all of that or conference conference meets no matter what team you are i shouldn't say secs this applies to any team any conference you're preparing for those big postseason opportunities but i also feel like when you have the opportunity to be on national television being the number one and the number two teams in the country that's also what you're working for you're working for those big moments where you can go out there and shine and show the world and show the other team and show the fans and show everybody yeah. just how good you are. It's going to get very boring if all of the top teams decide that, you know, as these fans on Twitter were saying, it doesn't matter, it doesn't matter. Basically, the only thing that matters is the national championship. Well, if that's the only thing that matters, then why even have a season? You know what I mean? Like, I mean, yeah, kind of true, honestly. Like, is that, like if we're going to have that it does attitude. Like, yeah, and I get it. Like, the end goal is the national championship. Like, that means more. At the end of the day, Florida can win the national championship. And they'll be like, who cares what happened yeah. in, you know, March? No one's going to care. Literally not a single person is going to remember or care. But it just feels like... If the national championship is the only thing that matters, then why don't they just train for several months and go to one competition and boom, there it is. Right. Like, what's the point of having a season? They train to compete. They train to be the best. They train to go out there and have fun. And they they do train to win, you know, as much yeah. as they try sometimes not to focus on it. Like, I don't know why we have to take the competitiveness out of sports. Like, that's what it feels like sometimes. Yeah. When you're talking to some fans online, it feels like they almost are, like, mad that you wanted a competition. <laughs> and I'm like, well, is it wrong of me to tune into the number one and number two teams in the country and expect a battle? Well, like, the other, don't you want that? The other thing, too, is the better you are, the higher your ranking. The more people are going to be watching you, the more people are going to be criticizing you, the higher the expectations are going to be. Yep. And because this is the number one and the number two team... I think people have a, high expectations. And it was a chance for Florida to go out there and show what their lineups will be like come postseason, because that's what they've been doing all season long anyways, to see what they would be able to put up against Oklahoma on an even playing field for the most part. I know sometimes home scoring with a team like Oklahoma could be difficult to compete with, but I don't know. I just viewed it as an opportunity to even build confidence for what the energy and what the pressure will feel like in a postseason. Yeah. Like, competing against Oklahoma, you have to be on. You can't make a mistake. That applies for any of the top teams. And even if you lose, it's still a good experience to put up your best lineup so they know what it feels like to be in that environment where you have to hit if you want to beat this incredible top team. And if one of your top athletes does need to rest, if something is that serious and they do need to rest... Maybe not rest, like, multiple of your top athletes in this one competition. That's what I'm saying, bro. <laughs> like, you could have rested these people throughout the season. And here's the other thing, and, I, and then we'll move on after this. I just, 
Because the rest, right? Like, that's the thing that everyone was saying online. All the Florida fans were saying. Like, they were wanting to rest so-and-so and so-and-so and, and, you know, whatever. These particular athletes. But those particular athletes were competing on three other events in that same competition. So how much rest are you really getting? If it was really truly about rest, they wouldn't have competed that week at all. Yeah, it wasn't, in my opinion, I don't think it was about rest. I think it was just strategy. And I guess maybe we can all have our opinions on that strategy. Yeah, because I feel like if it was also about rest, you would do it during a week. Like, for example, next week, we are going against teams that are way easier for you to beat. Like, you could put up your B team and still beat these teams that you're competing against next week. Yes. Um, I don't know. Like, I just, to me, that seems like the smarter strategy. But then what do I know? I'm not the coach. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, I don't know what goes on in the gym. I don't know what... Was there a reasoning for it? But as an outsider and as a fan watching, that was kind of just my thoughts on it. I was a little bit disappointed. I was disappointed to see that Florida seemed kind of almost like so willing to surrender from the start before the competition even started. Like, it almost was as if they were going in with the mindset of, well, we're not going to win anyway, so like, what does it matter? We might as well rest people. But I feel like if you want to be a top team, you can't go into it with that mindset. You have to go into it kind of with the mindset that Michigan was embracing, which is why I think they were so successful in their meet against Oklahoma, is they had the mindset of, in order to be the best, you have to be able to compete against the best, and we're okay if we lose the priority is to just put your best foot forward and see where you land. See how you stack up against the best team. So that way you know where you need to improve. And you also know how your team is going to compete in that intense pressure environment of going up against the top team and knowing that there is a lot on the line. So I feel like it was just a valuable experience and I wish that Florida maybe would have embraced that mentality a little bit more instead of using that meat as the meat to rest people so that way we never would have known the real outcome of the meat because I feel like Florida actually could have won this meat. They actually looked pretty good on ball and I feel like that's one area where they've been a little bit weaker this season but we saw Peyton Richards lead off on ball with a stock Yurchenko one and a half Kayla DiCello stuck hers Leanne had a really tiny hop on her ball it was one of the best ones she's done all season yeah Kayla and Leanne went 995 so yeah so we saw some rotation. improvements there and you know bars was phenomenal as always beam I feel like was a little bit shaky for Florida we did see Riley McCusker in the lineup which was very exciting unfortunately she found but I was so happy to see her finally get a chance to compete on Beam because she's absolutely beautiful on that event. Well, and I want to shout her out, actually. I'm glad you brought Riley up because I wanted to mention her on bars. She went 995 the weekend prior at home against Kentucky, and then she went 985 here in the meet against Oklahoma. So nice to see her back in the lineup and, and scoring well. Doing well, yeah. I mean, yeah. missed her for sure this season. But I think, obviously, floor was a weak point um, just because of the lineup that they put forward. And then, like I said, Beam was a little bit shaky as well. But Oklahoma also wasn't having their best meet. They started out really, really strong on vault and bars. A lot of stuck landings. Olivia Troutman got a 10 on vaults. Which, by the way, shout out to Olivia Troutman because... As always, she thaws out as the season goes on, and they bring her out near the end of the season. They get her ready for postseason. And she's always, like, a machine. She's vaulted three times this season. She's stuck all three vaults and has scored a 10 and two 9975s. Who so. does that? A little bit of a drama. <laughs> yeah, she's three for three right now. So it looked good there. Lots of stuck landings on bars. And then Oklahoma was a little bit nervy on beam, which we don't normally see from them. And so that's where I feel like that could have been, like, the change in the energy of the meet. Yeah. Like, you got to use the momentum of that. You know what it I mean? It feels like for both teams, the first two rotations were pretty good. And then they both had their weak points in the last two rotations. Strong points as well, don't get me wrong. But I feel like in that second half of the meet, either team could have pulled ahead, depending on, you know, who they put up and how they performed. Yeah. And- yeah, this could have been a really, really, really intense meet. But I guess we will save that for NCAAs. And it'll still be a good one, I'm sure. Yes, just some other teams in the mix as well, which makes it all the more fun. Okay, so the next meet we want to talk about, we actually didn't go to, unfortunately. Which we were, I have so <laughs> many regrets about. We were like two seconds away from going and we decided that we were going to go spend time with our dog Isaac and watch the meet at home instead. And we have a lot of regrets because it was Michigan State 
versus LIU and Bowling Green. And they absolutely ate. Honestly, all the teams ate from what it looked like. That they There was a bunch of program records. Yeah, LIU had a program record as a team. It was just a great meet. And Michigan freaking State went 198-225. First time they've ever gone over 198. They just went over 197 last season. Yeah, that was something I remember that team talking about a lot last season and being like thrilled for. Whenever they went over 197, it was like a huge deal. And now here they are going over 198. Not just going over 198. Like they went over 198. Like it was a 198225. Guys, week nine, they had the highest score in the nation for that week. And it was the fifth highest score in the nation from all season. Yeah. Which is so impressive. Just so incredible. And Nikki Smith, the amazing freshman, broke the all-around record for Michigan State with a 39.775. She got a perfect 10 on vault. Joy Jackard, the senior, got a 10 on bars. Which is so well-deserved because she's so underrated as a bar worker. She's absolutely beautiful to a point in lines. I love her bar work. And she's been a little inconsistent throughout her career, but when she hits, it's 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 so good. It's a 10. Yeah. And she's actually the first Michigan State gymnast to get a 10 on bars so shout out to her and then michigan state also broke program records on every event but floor so on vault they posted a 49.575 bars was 49.550 and then beam was 49.6 so those are all program records from msu and i think it's just so incredible with everything that that school has been through in the last couple of years I think we all know what we're talking about here. But also just recently with the shooting that happened on campus, MSU had to take a week off because of that. I mean, it's just a lot to deal with and process. And they've come back stronger. I mean, not yeah, even just so on this season, but the last couple of seasons, slowly building up to this point and to see them have the kind of performance that could really honestly win them a national title is incredible. Yeah, so. and maybe not this season, but in the future, absolutely. I'm very, very, very worried for whatever team has MSU in their regional, because MSU at this point in time is looking like they're going to be a third seed, but they are a very strong and dangerous third seed, and that's the kind of team that could really upset any of the top teams in the nation if they're even just slightly off. Uh, for sure. They don't really have a weak point. Um, you know, even looking at their vault lineup, sure, they don't have the same level of title start values that any of the top teams have. They only have two title start values in their lineup, but they have a lot of really, really solid Yurchenko foals that are pretty much all capable of going 9-9, every single time they go out. Yeah, they have a very good stick rate over there. <laughs> yes, that's what it is. They're very consistent, and they're very, kind of like we were just saying, unfazed by everything that's going on around them. I think they're just kind of on a roll, and they're really riding that moment. Momentum. And you have people like Gabby Steven, who has a tranquil fold that's absolutely beautiful and that is often stuck every time she does it. And she's actually scored a perfect 995 on that vault several times. And Michigan State actually had a double meet weekend. So they were at Eastern Michigan on Friday. We were at that meet. With LIU. So LIU was there as well. <laughs> yeah, it was Eastern, LIU, and Michigan State. And Gabby got a 9.95 for her vault there. Which so. I will say, in my opinion, that wasn't the most perfect fold that she's done. She kind of leaned like forward just slightly on it. Like, I feel like she's done it better. She has. But yeah. I'm also not complaining because she's done so many perfect vaults. So I'm like, have it. Whatever. You got you. You deserve it, girl. <laughs> but definitely some of the best your trinkle folds that you're going to see in the whole country. It's a really solid lineup and. To think that they can contend with teams like Michigan and Oklahoma and Florida, teams that have all these 10 start values, to think that Michigan State can keep pace with them with only having two 10 start values is incredible. It's because they're so absolutely good. terrifying for everybody else. Yeah. So. <laughs> but yeah, just wanted to give a shout out to Michigan State. They also shared the regular season Big Ten title with Michigan. That's the first time that they've ever done that in their program history. So... This program is definitely making waves and doing really big things, and we're really excited to see where the rest of the season goes. Another team that we real quickly want to give a shout out to that also just so happens to be from the state of Michigan is Western Michigan. They also broke their program record with a 197.1. So it was their very first time as a team going over the 197 mark. If they broke their beam record at this meet, they got a 49.325 there. And they had some individuals who broke program records as well. Cassie St. Clair, she tied the vault record with a 9.925. Yeah, she has a really nice souk tucked full. Which is a 10-0 start value, so that's really big for Western because that's the only 10-0 start value that they have in their lineup. And it's hard to make a tucked vault look pretty 
But for some reason, she this vault, yeah, this vault looks pretty, so I love it. And she's very good at sticking it. This is not the first time this season that she stuck it. So for a moment there, I thought that she got a 10 from one of the judges because the commentator said that she got a 10 from one judge, but she actually got a 995 and a 99. So a 9925 is still a great score. Still amazing, yeah. And then Peyton Murphy broke her own all-around program record with a 3955. So Western Michigan is having a really, really good season. I think they're looking really good heading into the MAC championships in two weeks. Yeah, the last four meets they went... 1966 or higher and then obviously this one going over 197 for the first time ever so they're they're kind of on a roll yeah they're ranked 28th nationally and i said they're looking forward to the mac championships of course but they're also looking forward to regionals as of right now this is a team that is not even in the play-in rounds they're actually going to regionals as a team and they have secured a spot there as of right now and so. this is a team that a couple of years ago didn't make it to regionals at all. Like, they weren't even in the playing rounds. And now for them to be 28th nationally and, you know, looking pretty good for a spot at regionals and avoiding that playing round altogether is incredible. So the final meet on our agenda to cap off this episode is Michigan versus Oklahoma. Which just so happened to, again, be the number one and the number two teams in the nation. <laughs> right, because after Florida's meet against Oklahoma, they dropped in the rankings to third. So And Michigan went up, but then they had to meet on Monday, so that's how it worked out. <laughs> so, again, we have a number one, number two matchup, which is super exciting. Man, poor Oklahoma having to go from Friday facing the number two team to Monday facing the number two team. It's pretty intense, but I also feel like it prepares them for postseason. Having two meets back-to-back, or at least in close proximity, that are both tough competition, I feel like is going to simulate for them the pressure that they will feel in postseason, mm-hmm. and also just even for their bodies getting it prepared to compete so often. Quick turnaround. Yes, quick turnaround. So it was Michigan that came away on top with a 198.025 to Oklahoma's 197.925. And I got to say, it was a super close competition that came down to literally the final routine. Well, I guess the, the final couple routines, we should say. By the time Gabby Wilson went in the anchor spot, Michigan had already had it locked up. But really, going back and forth, watching Oklahoma on beam, Michigan on floor... I was super nervous just not knowing how it was going to turn out. But Oklahoma ended up having a couple of shaky beam routines and Michigan was rocking and rolling on floor and were able to pull it off in the end. Yeah, Oklahoma was leading the whole competition all the way until that last event being on beam and having some wobbles. I mean, it wasn't really for either of these teams a perfect day. There was definitely areas that, you know, like Michigan didn't stick any vaults and both teams had wobbles on beam. Yeah, Oklahoma had a fall on floor and Michigan also had some not so perfect landings like it was not their best either so what's interesting about this meet is that in the end Michigan beat Oklahoma by a tenth Brittany and I actually went back and rescored this meet just out of curiosity to see what we come up with because we knew watching it as exciting as it is to be in the arena and have like the crowd and the energy and two top teams in the country um, it didn't quite feel like a 198 performance or a near 198 performance for either of these teams, if yeah. we're being completely honest. There was a couple of routines while we were watching it that I was like, eh, that's questionable. <laughs> so we just wanted to go back and just see what we thought, I guess. So we actually had Michigan on top with a 197.65 to Oklahoma's 1976, which is only a half-tenth difference, actually. So so in real life, they were a tenth apart, and then in our world, we had them a half-tenth apart, but significantly lower than the scores that they actually got. Right. I think that last rotation was where things were the wildest. <laughs> oh, absolutely. I think Oklahoma's scores on beam were probably the most egregious in that rotation, and then same with Michigan on floor. I feel like the judges were also kind of getting wild over there. <laughs> yeah, they had... So in real life, they had a 49-7... We had them in a 49.45. Which is a huge difference. That's two and a half tenths. Yeah, that was the biggest difference out of all the events. And then for Oklahoma on beam, they actually got a 49.45 and we gave them a 49.3, which is a tenth and a half difference. So I think for Michigan on floor, they started off with three 9.925s in a row, none of which I really felt like were 9.925s. Nico had a great routine. Me and Ashley gave it a 9.9, which is obviously an amazing score. Not too, too big of a difference there. I think the bigger issue I had was Abby High School getting a, again, 9.925. We had it at a 9.85. 
And then Natalie, we had it a 9.8 as opposed to a 9.925. So I think that's where the biggest difference came for us. And Gabby Wilson, they gave her a 9.975. We had a 9.9. Just because I feel like on the first pass, not a huge error. Like if you're being nitpicky, you could take like her lunge was a little bit bigger. It wasn't as controlled. Mm-hmm. Um, but the last pass... She kind of covered it by, like, throwing her arms in the air and, like, almost celebrating. A glorious celebration, as she should. But she was off balance. And I think she did what she did to kind of disguise <laughs> the fact that she was off balance. But so either way, it was not Basically, Judge a... Ashley wasn't fooled. Yeah, and one judge gave her a 10. So, um, that's the takeaway from Gabby and what she did. She had a phenomenal competition with it being her senior night and everything, but... Just scores were a little bit high for Michigan on floor. Also, I guess Sierra Brooks, maybe that's another one we should mention. She got a 9-9. We gave her a 9-8-5. There was some controversy in the arena. The Oklahoma coaches were very upset because they were insisting that Sierra Brooks went out of bounds. I didn't think she went out of bounds when I watched it. And then still going back and watching it on the replay, I don't think she went out. Her foot was right on the line. And that's okay. Yeah, it wasn't over the line. She was, like, right on it. So I personally didn't take that deduction, but I did take for the landing deduction, the hot back that she had there. And Oklahoma was allegedly not happy with their beam music. So they didn't get to pick their beam music. It's just whatever the DJ in the arena plays. And they gave Jordan Bowers Chicken Fried by, (laughs) who sings that song? Zach Brown Band. Okay, yeah. So that was kind of funny. Um, I mean, I kind of feel like it was a vibe. Like, I feel like you can do being to that. <laughs> well, Oklahoma normally has, like, very calm, almost relaxing music. And they didn't have their music here. It was, like I said, it was just whatever they played in the arena. So it was probably a little bit more upbeat than they wanted. <laughs> but also, you can't control the environment you're in. Just like if you're at Nationals and, you know, they're playing either an obnoxious song in the arena or someone's floor music is horrendous. You gotta do your thing no matter what's going on. So That's facts. Oklahoma, stop making excuses. <laughs> but it was a good competition. I think one of the highlights for me was if I had to pick one from each team, I would say Olivia Troutman on vault. We already mentioned it earlier, but sticking machine on vault. She's just so so good. I personally would have went ten for that. Yeah, they gave her a nine nine seven five, but she did absolutely nail it. She was dead center, really good vault, and then. For Michigan, I gotta go Gabby Wilson on beam. That was a really good routine. Best routine I've seen her do. I don't know if I would have went 9975 for it. We actually had it at a 995. But Gabby's gotten a 9975 on beam before. And I think the best part about it was the double tuck dismount at the end that she stuck cold. Yeah. Not even like the slightest movement. And that is so hard to do. The amount of energy and power that she has on that to be able to like rein it in just stick it cold yeah she drilled it it's so incredible what were the highlights for you i was gonna say gabby on beam abby high school on bars as always is amazing the perfect lead off sierra brooks was amazing she got a 995 well (laughs) no she got a 9975 that's actually a career high for her that is a career high we gave her a 995 that's what i was looking at So that was great. And then I was going to say Natalie, when we were watching in the arena, I truly thought that she was going to get a 10 on bars. On bars until she stepped on the dismount. I was so sad because I think that was the best routine. Like as far as handstands and, you know, form and all of that, even on her doll chest, she has like a little bit of wonky legs on the doll chest. I felt like she really brought her legs together on that one. So it was going so well. And then she had to step back on the dismount and she was set up perfectly with that 9975 from Sierra before her to get a 10. So that made me sad, but it was still a highlight because it's Natalie Ambar's and think, I'm going to miss the doll chest. Oh, I know. Me too. And I think Audrey Davis from Oklahoma as well on bars, just a beautiful routine. Always a highlight. It really gives nothing away in the actual routine. It's just like textbook perfection. It's just the dismount. Well, she did stick, but... She always has a little bit of a stagger. Yep. And then also a little bit of like cowboy legs going on, which I don't know if the judges actually take for that or not, but definitely I would say the staggered feet on the stick, which I think maybe just depending on the angle you're on, like where we were sitting, I don't feel like I noticed it as much, but you can see it on the broadcast. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. In the arena, I was like, okay, like this might be the 10. And then going back and watching it on the broadcast, it was like, eh, actually, no, you can see the staggered legs. Yeah. Which again, just goes to show you how subjective gymnastics scoring actually is. (laughs) But this competition got me really excited for postseason. It's always fun to see two top teams go head-to-head. And I really think 
seeing both these teams on an even playing field, you kind of see like what both teams need to work on a little bit. I feel like Michigan needs to work on getting their vault landings back mm-hmm. like they did last season and then also the year prior they were really good at it. Yeah, they, they won. Oklahoma has a little bit more control on their landings. And even though we didn't quite even see it at this competition, I feel like just in general that stands to be the case. Um, they Even if they're not sticking it, they have like small hops or small steps. It tends to be more controlled where when Michigan's hopping, it tends to be a larger hop. So that was kind of one of the observations I had in general. And then as always, it also is going to come down to whoever can stay on the beam or have the least amount of wobbles on the beam. So, and I feel like at this point in the season, all of the type teams are looking a little bit shaky with the exception of Utah mm-hmm. <laughs> on beam. They're the number one team in the nation. So I still think there's a lot of good gymnastics left. I still think there's a lot of areas where all of the top teams need to improve, but there's also a lot of areas where you know, they look great. So I think it's going to be a really, really exciting postseason. One of the most exciting postseasons I think we'll ever see, just because the level of talent in the NCAA is so high right now. And I think seeing Oklahoma be slightly off the past two times out kind of goes to show you that they aren't untouchable. Like, I think that if Oklahoma does what they normally do, they're still going to be the favorites to win this year. But I think this just showed everybody that, like, they aren't untouchable. Like, they can be beat. And I think as a team, you just have to rise to the challenge. And you got to put on your best performance. And it's going to be really exciting to see which teams are able to pull it out in the end. I can't believe we're already at the postseason. The season went by so fast. To me, it literally feels like it's week six. Yeah, like we we just started. But we're already talking about next week being the last week of the regular season. But I'm ready for it, though. This competition really made me ready just to get into postseason and get back on the NCAA championship floor and have a rematch. Oh my gosh, I'm so ready. That does it for this week's episode. We hope you guys enjoyed it. And of course, we want to thank our Gold Level Patreon supporters. So a big thank you to Amy M, Emily B, Kathleen R., Lucy S, Becca S, DFP, Blake B, Cookie Master, Faith M, Kristen R, Lori S, Sabrina M, Amy C, Erica S, Milan W, M, Derek H, Abby M, Martin, and Jasmine C. Thank you all for continuing to support our show each month at the highest tier level. We appreciate you guys so, so much. And if you are interested in becoming a Patreon supporter, we always have a link in the show notes down below to how you can sign up and learn more about the perks of each tier level. Next week, I don't think we're going to have an episode just because me and Ashley are busy. We have some stuff going on, but we will be back, however, the following week to recap conference championships. Which, Ashley and I wait, going to Big Ten. Yes, you took the words right out of my mouth. <laughs> we are going to Iowa for Big Tens, and we are super, super excited. It's going to be, I think, one of the most intense Big Tens we have ever seen. And it's our first time actually going to Big Tens, I believe, since 2013. Or was there one at Michigan? Oh, there was one at Michigan one of the years. I don't even remember anymore. Well, we went to... Big tens, I know for sure, in 2013, because it was at Michigan State. And then I want to say one of the years was at Michigan, like the year after that, or like two years after that. Anyways, <laughs> memory's horrible, but my point is, it's been a very long time since we've been to a conference championships in person. So, so we are very excited, yes. and we can't wait to talk all about it with you guys in two weeks. We'll talk to you then. Bye! Bye!